Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the word of God for our meditation this evening is from 2 Samuel chapter 15. We begin at verse 5, and I will explain more of the context during the sermon itself. As King David approached Bahurim, which is a village on the other side of the Mount of Olives, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shimei, son of Gera, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. As he cursed, Shimei said, Get out! Get out, you murderer, you scoundrel! The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son, Absalom. You have become a ruin, or you have, be, you have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. But the king said, what does this have to do with you, you sons of Zeruah? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, Curse David, who can ask, Why do you do this? David then said to Abishai and all his officials, My son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more then this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. So David and his men continued along the road while Shimei was going along the hillside opposite him, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. The king and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted, and there he refreshed himself. This is the word of the Lord. In my mind, I, I break up David's 40-year reign as king into four almost equal pieces. Some are a little bit longer, some are a little bit shorter. But the first section of David's reign wasn't in Jerusalem. He hadn't conquered it yet. It was down south in Hebron. Then he conquered Jerusalem. And the, the second part of his reign is, are those early years in Jerusalem when he was trying to bring the Ark of the Covenant up. And, and that period really ended with David's adultery with Bathsheba and with the, um, uh, uh, the, the sin that led to our text today. The third period, the, the middle period of David's time in Jerusalem uh, uh, is really... Uh, centered around the rebellion of his son Absalom and ends with uh, the chapters uh, our text is taken from. And the final period of David's reign, uh, the last 13 years or so, uh, are taken up by another son of his named Adonijah and his rebellion, which ultimately led to David naming Solomon as his heir and successor. King David died after 40 years on the throne in about the years, we think, 970 B.C. Well, uh, let's get back into our text. And about 10 years before these events outside the city of Jerusalem on the other side of the Mount of Olives, David's oldest son, Amnon, had violated his half-sister, Tamar. 
And she had a full-blooded brother uh, whose name was Absalom. And Absalom had bided his time, had seized, and then had, had seized an opportunity, and then had, had made sure that Amnon paid for violating his sister with his life. He avenged his sister's disgrace. Then Absalom ran away to his grandfather's estate. His grandpa was uh, a, a kind of a petty king not that far away um, on his mother's side. And he stayed there for, for several years. And eventually he came back. And we think there might have been a famine in the land. And there's a three-year famine in this book of Samuel. But he came back and, and he was allowed to stay with David in Jerusalem for a little while. But uh, that wasn't going to work out the greatest. And he asked if he could possibly go down to Hebron, where he went. David gave him permission to go down to Hebron to kind of govern as a prince, but that wasn't good enough for Absalom, and he began to reign as if he were king. And this was the problem. So here in our text, what's going on is Absalom has gathered together about 200 warrior soldiers, and he is actually marching on Jerusalem. And David knows that with his main army gone to fight against another nation, he can't possibly stand up against his son Absalom. There's only one thing to do. And so he gathers up his people, kind of an entourage, and he's going to run away. He flees from the city. And this brings us to these events on the, on the slopes of the Mount of Olives, not far from where I suppose we would think of as Bethany and Bethphage and so forth, where Jesus rode back on a donkey. David is going away in disgrace. And this strange, bitter, hateful man, Shimei, begins to pelt David with stones and dirt. And he does it again and again and again, cursing all the time. And he says things like, you had this coming. Your son has taken away your crown because of, of the blood you spilled in King, Saul, King Saul's family. Well, David doesn't respond. Was he right? Was Shimei right? Well, let's just go back and look at a couple of the facts. Uh, David, had, had, mis had David mistreated Saul's family at all? David had kept his warriors from even raising their hands against Saul, the Lord's anointed. David, had uh, his, his, his warriors had tried again and again to urge him, you got a chance, take Saul's life. And David said, far be it from me, he's God's anointed king. David had, had worked hard as, as a champion, a general, uh, a field uh, commander for King Saul to establish a peace on the borders of his kingdom and to win many victories in the name of King Saul. And, and, and David ha even had King Saul's son, Jonathan, as his closest and dearest friend. And yet Saul had, had been filled with jealousy and hatred for David. And as we see in our text, even this distant relative, this guy from the same clan as Saul's family, a kind of a distant cousin, this, this Shimei had, had, had been infected by Saul's hatred for David, almost a, a mindless, unseeing hatred. The fifth commandment teaches us to love our neighbor, doesn't it? But the most difficult, well, one of the more difficult sides of the fifth commandment is not to love your neighbor, it's to love your enemy. 
our enemies. How can we possibly love them? But God doesn't make a distinction in the commandment like, oh, oh, but if they hate you, you can hate them right back again. It's okay. Not at all. God tells us to love. Think about Jesus loving his enemies when they came to the Mount of Olives to take him. What did he do? Did he pick up the same stones Shimei had thrown to throw them back at the Roman soldiers? Did he pelt them with the clods of dirt that, well, they probably still weren't there. It was a thousand years later. But, but what does Jesus do? He lets it happen, just like David had done. Jesus shows them his authority, his divinity. They, they fall down when he simply says the words, I am. He lets them know who they're up against, but he does not take charge of the situation uh, in, in a military sense. He allows himself to be taken prisoner, to be led away as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, he simply showed his power with a word. We don't have that divine power to wield, do we? Or do we? We have the same powerful word of God. Listen to, to the way David handled being cursed and stoned by his enemy. He assumed that God himself had ordered these curses. And De David never once even suggests that maybe it was the other way around. He simply says, you know what? Uh, it's, it, I, I can't possibly tell the difference, so let's assume that God wants me to be cursed by this guy. And if he does... Who am I to reject God's holy word in the form of these curses? If God wants to be cursed, if God wants to condemn me, that's God's word. I can't oppose that with, with what reverence and, and, and honor David holds the word of God. The, the, the word of God must stand always and forever. The word of God allows us to respond to our enemies, not only with, with, with the permission to respond, but providing the very, very words with which we can respond. But the Word of God does not permit us to take revenge on our enemies. No love and do not hate. Do not pay back evil for evil, but good for evil. The Bible proclaims two distinct, great, doctrines of God's holy word, the law and the gospel. Now, if you've been a, a, a member of, of St. Paul's or of a Lutheran church your whole life, you might not have any idea that almost no other Christians in the world understand that there is a difference between law and gospel. For most Christians in the world, those two words you could just use interchangeably. Law, gospel, it's all just the word of God. What difference does it make? God preaches at us and we feel bad and we try to do better. But if you've been blessed to be in our Lutheran fellowship for any amount of time, you have seen the difference, the distinction between God's law and God's gospel. And, 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 and if you're a little rusty, if you're a little fuzzy about it, that's okay. Um, because the law shows us our sins. It's never a bad idea to revisit these two great doctrines 
Uh, the law proclaims the will of God. For example, in the Ten Commandments, or in some of Jesus' sermons, like the Sermon on the Mount and the one that we read from Luke chapter 6 as well, where the law, Jesus' commands, really make us feel bad. Bad about, about, about how we've fallen short, how we have not lived up to God's perfect standard, as we showed the children this evening. The law is what makes some people even want to stay away from church because they think it just is there to make them feel bad and to bring them down and to, I don't know, uh, maybe make them fall into line better with a big old club. But the gospel is what they're missing. The gospel is is, is the other teaching of God's holy word. The, the law is not the only thing we preach in our preaching because the gospel shows us who? Our Savior. Not as a judge who's angry about our sins. No, the gospel is all about the good news that our Savior Jesus has taken away the guilt of all of our sins, has brought us up through his work, has brought us up to his holy standard to hold us up as perfect before God the Father. And he's done it with his own blood. The gospel tells us that our sins are forgiven. The gospel invites us to lead lives of of joy and thanks and, and faith in the Jesus who saved us. Here in this historical account of David being cursed by Shimei, the law of God is at work. It, it stabs our heart. It got to me. Did it get to you? Because I wouldn't have done what David did. I, I wouldn't have done that at all. How short we fall of what God wants. Think of somebody in your life, somebody who's an enemy, somebody who doesn't like you. Maybe you sinned against that person in the past. Maybe you didn't. Maybe there's only a misunderstanding. And maybe sometimes now we sin against those kinds of people with with our thoughts, just in the way that we think about that individual, or in our words, uh, the, the things that we say to our loved ones or behind closed doors or just mumbling to ourselves about, about that kind of person, or maybe uh, with your fingertips about things that you have maybe typed or texted about that individual and, and maybe posted when you oughtn't to have done. Those sins of the mind, sins of the lips, sins not of, of weapons other than the fingertips, These sins are sins that need to be confessed. This is a life that needs to be changed, and it's our life that needs to be changed. Turn away from this right now. Love your enemy. Why turn away from it? Why even at home? Why even when I'm in private? Why even just when I'm thinking about things, maybe, maybe just you know, I, I, before I fall asleep at night when nobody's listening, nobody's paying attention because these sinful thoughts come squirting out in all kinds of things that we say and do and think. And we pass these attitudes along to the people around us. I don't mean that, 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 that our children are going to take up a vendetta against people who we think of as our enemies, but they will follow the pattern of how you and I talk about people that we don't like and about people who don't like us. So Jesus invites us to repent, to turn around, to make a change, 
to ask for his forgiveness and to ask for his help in turning to a different way of acting and, and even thinking about our enemies, even when we speak, even when they speak out against us, slinging mud and dirt and stones and insults and, yes, curses. Like Shimei throwing all that stuff at David along the road. Maybe somebody is sending out messages or, or texts or emails about you. Maybe somebody is, is parked outside your house with a big old sign broadcast into the world. What your mistake was, ask God for strength. The courage of King David. And respond, well, in silence maybe? Or with the gospel. Ask God to open a door for the gospel. Not, not just to work in your enemy's heart to, 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 to end his enmity toward you, but, but to rescue him or her from the jaws of sin and unbelief and everlasting death to win them for heaven. In our gospel lesson, the very last verse is a, is a weird little expression to some people, but Jesus is talking about the reward of eternal life. And he talks about heaven uh, in terms of, of, of getting wheat uh, uh, delivered to you like, like Boaz giving Ruth wheat in the, in the old barley in the, in, the, in the Old Testament lesson uh, uh, from, uh, from Ruth chapter 2. And Jesus calls it a good measure pressed down shaken together and, and running over, poured into your lap. The measure we're talking about isn't just wheat or barley, you know. It's joy running over. Love overflowing everywhere. It's, it's reunion with your loved ones in heaven poured into your lap from our loving God and, and blessings, eternal blessings, unending blessings pressed down, shaken together, and running over forever and ever. Share your love of Jesus with the people that you love and ask God's help so that you even want to show love for your enemies. Amen.